Today's Ryan and Russ show is brought to you by Vision Homes. If you're looking to build a new home in North Central West Virginia, then visit at visionhomes.com. Vision Homes, building you a house you you are proud to call home. And don't forget to subscribe to the Ryan and Russ show. And don't take our word for it. Take Coach Neelan's. Hi, this is Coach Don Neelan, and you're watching the Ryan and Russ show. Please subscribe. And we welcome you back to the Ryan and Russ show, your source for West Virginia sports. And we are getting right into it. And we are going to go behind enemy lines for our Wednesday night episode, uh, week five edition. So we got the TCU Horn Frogs and coming on to the Ryan and Russ show, representing the Horn Frogs uh, this Saturday. Good friend of the program, J.D. Sailors from the Lupton Drinking Club, J.D., What's going on, man? I know uh, you came on our other show, the College Experience, to feature the game of the week, which was Week One TCU in Colorado. Obviously, didn't go your way that week, but you guys have been rolling since. How you? First off, how you doing, man? And welcome to the Ryan and Russ show. Good. I, how are you doing, Ryan? I appreciate the cordiality given the uh, personal circumstance of the show this week. Yeah, no doubt. No, hey, we we like to <laughs> we like to have the enemy on. Uh, know a little bit. Get go behind enemy lines, as we like to say. Yeah. Get a little scouting report on the opponent. Um, obviously, West Virginia TCU have had some wars over the years. Uh, let's let's get right into it though, JD. Sure. Obviously, TCU. I, I think it's well documented. Everybody, I think, saw the opener when they dropped the game to Colorado. But quietly since then, three straight wins, um, including uh, an impressive road win at Houston where they controlled the tempo of that game. And then last week was a was a tricky spot, I thought, for you guys. And you guys took care of business against uh, the SMU Mustangs, uh, inner city rivalry in the Dallas air, area. Obviously, a little controversy on when that game will be played yeah. in the future, depending on which fan base you ask. What's the pulse of this program headed into Saturday's match between two, three, and one teams? Yeah, you know, you mentioned the Colorado game. Obviously, that game drew what like eight million views, views viewers on TV. So, yes. every and that's kind of probably the national perspective of TCU was what they saw in that game. But as you know, as fans who you know, we try to get an anticipation of what we're going to see in the season. We thought, well, we know for sure our safeties, our cornerbacks, and our linebackers are going to be solid. We don't have to worry about that. Well, those are the groups that killed us in that Colorado game. So it kind of sent us in a tailspin, like, well, great. You know, what What should we expect now? Well, ever since then, they've played 12 quarters and they've given up two touchdowns on offense. Now you can question the quality of opponent, but I think playing any team and only giving up two touchdowns in 12 quarters, I think that's pretty impressive. So our linebackers and safeties were back to being as solid as we thought they would be. We think that Colorado game was kind of an anomaly. Even some of the players hinted at, yeah, we definitely took them lightly and we shouldn't have. Yeah. So. I, I mean, anytime you can hold uh, West Virginia fans know Daniel Holgerson very, very well, and he's known for his offense and to hold them under two touchdowns, obviously a very impressive uh debut there or big 12 opener because that yeah, was they a, actually their offense actually didn't score a touchdown it was their special teams that got one yeah they ran back the kick you're right yeah. and i mean that that was a game they had hyped up all summer just mm-hmm. like smu and uh what do you guys call it the iron skillet bowl that's and, it uh, yeah yeah which so i mean both to take on two get up spots for houston and smu very impressive with winning by more than two scores 
Let's talk about your head ball coach. I I, okay. I love this guy, Sonny Dykes, in his second year. Takes over for Gary Patterson. Patterson, it, it petered out a little bit down the stretch, but you can't sure. take away the great 20-plus year run, the foundation he laid down for that program. What has Sonny Dykes meant to that to that uh, fan base and program in just one year? I mean, anytime you go to the national championship yeah. in just one year, I mean, I think everybody's all bought in, right? Yeah, it's pretty hard to put that into words, huh? Unless you live through it. But man, yeah. yeah, what a ride that was. But you know how they talk about with coaches, you know, when you fire one coach, you got to bring in the opposite to kind of yeah. refresh things. I think that's what Sonny Dykes has been. Um, I mean, this culture he's established and just the way he's kind of sold the TCU program locally and nationally. Um, when when Gary was here, he ran everything like it was behind the iron wall, you know, no, no media access, very little fan access. Um, Sonny's been kind of the opposite, open practices to an extent, lots of fan engagement, just kind of revitalizing the energy a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, I think what doesn't get talked about enough, too, is his ability to hire assistants. Yeah. Uh, Joe Gillespie has been awesome. Um, our offensive coordinator has done a good job, even though I hesitate to mention him by name for other reasons. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, and, a little controversy and, there. What you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. But he has done a good job. I'll have to give him credit for that. And Cass Kazadi, which I don't know if a lot of people around the nation know that name, but you talk about a guy who just gets the players in the right mindset on and off the field and training and practice. And he's our strength and conditioning coach for those who don't know, but if you just, it's really hard to describe what Kaz means to the program. If you, there's a show on ESPN called Carter Boys, and they feature mm-hmm. him a lot. And you can tell the impact he has on the players as far as discipline and focus and just that, you know, we're going to go out and kill these guys' energy, that kind of guy. He's awesome. So Sonny Dax should get a lot of credit for the staff he's brought in. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, um, Riley goes over to Clemson, brings in Bryles. I know you're not mentioning by name, but I'll, I'll, <laughs> mention, I'll mention his last name. You guys, he's uh, Bryles. Anytime it's a Bryles, you know they're going to be able to coach offense just like the Rileys. But uh, let's let, let's uh, let's talk your quarterback position because sure. everybody watched the Colorado game this year, but it was the Colorado game last year, the opener that was in Boulder when Chandler Morris went down with an injury. I don't think a lot of people don't realize that Chandler Morris was scheduled to be the starter, not right. Max Duggan. Right. And Chandler Morris had a, a couple bad throws in the first, in the Colorado game this year, but quietly since then, seven touchdowns, one interception since that um, opening loss. How How is he progressing coming off that injury? Because that was yeah. a bad injury last year, and I think he had some nerves in the opener. Yeah, it definitely did. And on top of the nerves, it was – he kind of alluded to the fact that he was replacing a guy who finished runner up in the Heisman. Yep. So it was just kind of a natural instinct. I got to go out here and replicate Heisman guy. And he, he mentioned after the Colorado game that he doesn't really have to do everything. He just has to do his part, get the ball in the hands of playmakers, make the right reads, you know, avoid, avoid pressure, make smart decisions, take care of the football and he didn't he doesn't have to do everything himself. So that was a bit of an adjustment period. As far as the injury goes, there was a play in the Nichols game where he took off and ran for 20 some odd yards, took a pretty nice hit, got right up and he told the media after the game that he felt like that was the point where he fully got over his injury. Like he's not going to break every time he gets hit. So since then, you know, he's been lights out. 
Uh, he may not have the game of college football mastered like Max Duggan did, yeah. but watching him throw the ball is so beautiful. In every game, he just keeps getting better. He's making the right decisions. Um, we didn't turn the ball over against SMU like we had in the games previous to that. So watching him progress game by game, it makes me real excited for the back end of our schedule. Yeah, no, I, I think he's going to keep getting better and better. And I'll tell you a guy that got better in the offseason is uh, Amani Bailey. I mean, yeah. averaging six yards a carry. I don't think people people thought of Duggan and Johnson last year because of the connection and the big plays that they made. Duggan obviously got to the Heisman, but Miller, who now is with the Saints, yep. uh, averaged six yards a carry, 1,400 yards. I know it was a 15-game season, but that's almost 100 games a pop. How's uh talk talk about the emergence of Amani Bailey sure. um, early in this year? I mean, anytime you average six yards to carry, that's a, a quarterback's best friend. Yeah, no, no kidding. Well, he was on the he was our third running back last year, and you know mm-hmm. there was the one of the main narratives with TC in the offseason was, well, they lost so many players in the NFL. You know, how are they going to maintain their success or whatever? And TC fans are thinking, did we lose Amani Bailey? Yeah, you know, and we understand like people aren't going to know who Imani Bailey is until he shows it. So we weren't really worried about that, but I think even TCU fans are impressed with what Imani Bailey has done because yeah, he replaced Kendra, but not just Kendra, Amari DiMarcato, who's playing with the Cardinals now. So yeah, he stepped in real nice. He looks great. Um, You mentioned Quentin Johnston too. I I think one thing that didn't get talked about enough with uh, our new offensive coordinator is his style of offense and the way he schemes plays. It doesn't require that, you know, no joke alpha number one receiver that we needed last year with Max Duggan. Now we we had 11 different guys catch a ball on Saturday against SMU. So it, it, we're spreading it around. We're finding the open guy. And we don't need that one guy to come in and take over, you know, as far, at least as far as wide receivers go. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. He's spreading it out, Chandler Morris. You don't have that elite guy like Johnson with the Chargers now, mm-hmm. Quentin Johnson. That is, but you, yep. I mean, you got a bunch of different options. Uh, let's transition just over to West Virginia TCU as a whole. Sure, this is. I mean, we've had some battles over the years. I mean, the first three meetings were all decided by three or less yeah. points. Uh, last year, you could argue we we might have given you other than Baylor and K State your hardest game. I mean, that game was neck and neck down the stretch. Obviously, Sonny Dykes and Max Duggan with the backdoor cover for that crowd. Um, what? Just talk about the, the history of West Virginia TCU and and what 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 do Horn Frog fans think of, A, West Virginia, West Virginia University, and the Mountaineers, and then, B, for any of those that have came to Morgantown, some experiences over the years since. I mean, we've been in this league together for a decade strong, and – I don't think people remember that we actually came into the Big 12 the same year in 2012. Yep. You guys from the Mountain West and us from the Big East. Yeah, you know, <laughs> where do I start here? So with West yeah. Virginia, looking back on the history of, you know, the annual game, it seems like whenever West Virginia has been up and had a more quality team, that's been TC's down years and then vice versa. Yeah. I think the only time we've really overlapped was 2017 when you guys came to Fort Worth and we were both ranked um, college game day was in town and uh, Kenny Hill got a passing touchdown, a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown in that game. And we pulled that one out. That's the only game I remember where, you know, we, we kind of hit the top of our development cycles in the same year. Otherwise it's just been, well, this is West Virginia's year or this is TCU's year. But yeah. you, to your point, you, that game was a lot tougher last year than I anticipated it to be, but there hasn't been a time we've gone to Morgantown 
and it's been easy. I was there. I went up to the game in 2014 when, you know, we were fighting for the Big 12 championship. Yep. And uh, we, it took us – we had to turn y'all over like five times just to get a walk-off field goal at the end of the game. So it's never been easy for us in Morgantown. So coming into this this year, I'm feeling a lot better about the game that it's in our backyard. Yeah, no, it's uh, – 2014 is probably the most memorable game because game day was in Morgantown. The famous That's face right, mask huh? game. Yeah, the famous yeah, face forgot, mask okay, game. So I said yeah. 2017 was the only year, but I forgot that – 2014 early on that year yeah yeah we we were good uh kind of team was kind of similar to this year in terms of we played Alabama in the opener like we played Penn State we took a loss and then kind of went on a little bit of a run and everybody thought we were going to suck that year like this year and so far we've 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 popped up on some teams early so we'll see how we finish up hopefully we finish like that year I think we were eight and four so I mean I'll take eight and four right now um so yeah a lot of close games over the years Let's talk. Let's talk Big Twelve. I, I know we had you over at the Big Twelve College Experience. Um, Texas, Oklahoma, well documented on their way mm-hmm. out of the league. TCU. I, I think people forget it's not been Texas and Oklahoma that have been playing in the Big Twelve Championship the last couple of years. TCU, right. K State drew a huge number in the ratings um, the year before that. Baylor, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State had a chance to get to the playoff, but Baylor upset him. Everybody has seen Colorado's uh, numbers, the way they're drawing with Dion, whether it's mm-hmm. against you guys or against Colorado State, Nebraska, or against Oregon this past weekend. And Utah is going to be in the mix. I mean, they, the winning pedigree under Kyle Whittingham. What do you think of the future of this league? And do you think TCU has a chance to be potentially the premier football program in this league going forward? Yeah, I, I really do think so. And I point to a couple things, investment in the program and recruiting. And I, I think we're at the top of the Big 12 in those categories. I mean, that, that's, that's how you really project the future, right? Recruiting yeah. and investment and with our leadership, with Coach Dykes and Jeremiah Donati and, you know, a hotbed for recruiting DFW area. But, you know, we've also gotten guys from all over the country, too. So I think as long as we keep recruiting the way we are and Sonny Dykes is probably one of the best coaches in the country as far as the transfer portal goes. Yeah, I, I don't see any reason why we're not competing for the Big 12 championship year in and year out. Yeah, I mean, you you came off a national championship in his first year, so expectations yeah. are going to the, the bar. Sonny did yeah. it wrong. He's a, you're not supposed to go to the national championship your first year. Yeah, he kind of ruined it for other coaches, right? When they take no you, oh, I need I need four years. I got to get my yeah. guys, you know. <laughs> and, and now and now Dion quickly Dion ruined it a little yeah. bit. So yeah, it's. Uh, but Sonny maintained it over a whole year. I mean, you guys yeah, ran and he the did table the same thing at SMU season. too. Like, yeah, if you look at how he did at SMU, I mean, that was that's kind of a miracle for that program. Yeah, no, it, it's it's definitely going to be interesting. I, I think you guys are just going to continue to grow and grow with Sonny Dykes at, at the helm, and I don't think he's going anywhere. I think that no. that's his dream job. So yeah, I think, I think we got him at the age there. where he's not really looking to make a move. You know? Yeah. Yep. Um. All right, man. Well, uh, let's get right into our favorite segment. Everybody wants to know who's going to win the football game here in about, what, 72 hours? I mean, Saturday's going to be here before we know it. Kickoff, 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock out there in Fort Worth for you guys. Game on ESPN2. Give me your game prediction. And then also, J.D., I I forget what you said a couple weeks ago. We've done so many shows between now and then, so many games. Yeah. Yeah. uh, How do you you think the the Frogs finish up this year? You think they got a shot to get back to Dallas? eventually yeah so i had them at 10 and 2 and mm-hmm. going to the big 12 championship game but 
that also included a win over Colorado. So it makes things a little murky now. Now, what's still giving me optimism for as far as the Big 12 schedule goes is I don't know if Kansas State is quite as strong as people expected. And I also don't really trust Dylan Gabriel. So I think those are two games we might be able to steal. And then Texas looks as good as I thought they would. So I'm just going to go ahead and mark that one down as a loss. But if we we go they're going to choke, though. (laughs) Yeah, I think we'll know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's a good team. Yeah, they are good. Yeah. I think we'll know a lot more once we go into Manhattan in a few weeks. Mm -hmm. See, like after we lost to Colorado, I was talking on our podcast that it's going to be two months before we get any attention from anybody again. Just the way the schedule, uh, the way the schedule shakes out. But if we can go up to Manhattan and get a win, then I see no reason we can't beat OU or shoot. I don't know, even Texas at home. We've had Texas number over the last decade, so why not? Yeah, uh, yeah we're get, what we'll have to steal a game in Manhattan, I think, to get to the Big Twelve Championship game. But as and far I mean, as, sorry, go ahead. No, those games last year were fantastic. When yeah. when they jumped on you, what by seventeen at your place, and you guys came back, and then. You came all the way back, got overtime. They got the, the goal line stand. I know yeah, you yeah. guys thought Duggan might have been in, but, I mean, either way, fantastic sure. games last year. And looking forward to, I guess, the rubber match uh, between Chris Kleiman and uh, Sonny Dykes early yeah. on. So Yeah, as far as, uh, as far as this game with West Virginia goes, we've scored 30-plus points in every game so far this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this is definitely the best defense we've faced yet. But I, I think we can get to, say, 28. And I'm thinking this game, people are looking at TCU's defense as still punishing us for the Colorado game. But like I've said, we've shown that that's kind of an anomaly and not really who our defense is as an identity. So yeah. I have this, say, 28-13, somewhere in that range. Pulling away late, or do you think they just control the tempo? Yeah, from the, from you know, last last year's team was get behind the eight ball and then really turn it on. This year, mm-hmm. against at least against Houston and SMU, we've kind of controlled it from the jump and just to steal a term from the solid verbal crock potted the team. Yeah, <laughs> just kind of slow cooked it all the way to the finish line. So yeah, maybe a well, touchdown, touchdown every quarter. Good defensive game, twenty eight thirteen final. Okay. I got you. So you got TCU covering the the 12 and a half or 12. I think, I think a lot of it with, with the number, everybody's asking, why is the number going between 11, 12, 13 is the status of Garrett green. If it's going to be Garrett green or Nico. So, okay. uh, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I think this is going to be a good game. Like you said, and yeah. I think whoever controls the line of scrimmage is going to win the game. Both teams want to run the ball. Both teams are averaging basically six yards to carry. So yeah, whoever wins the good old line of scrimmage, I think will uh, come away victorious on Saturday night. So JD's got the Horn Frogs getting to two and zero in league play, uh, twenty eight thirteen. Um, JD, thank you for coming on. And uh, guys, get over there, follow the Lupton Drinking Club um, at Lupton Beers on Twitter. Uh, JD's an easy follow on Twitter as well at JD Sailors. Uh, I mean, keep it simple for me, man. I, I like, I like <laughs> it's that. Be marketable, it's, right? <laughs> yeah, rather than having to read off like three underscores. But uh, yeah, we're doing we're doing a home and home. So I'll be over there on the Lupton Drinking Club later tonight, uh, talking from the West Virginia side. So maybe I'll give out the Mountaineers as a winner since JD yeah. came on and gave out the frogs. So we expect nothing less, <laughs> no doubt. So JD, thanks for coming on, brother, and uh, we'll have you back on for hoop season. It'll be here before you know it. Yeah, I appreciate it, Ryan. Anytime, man. This is fun. Thanks, J.D. Take it easy, man. All right. See See you, man.
JD Sailors from the Lupton Drinking Club. Great follow. Get over there, guys, uh, to go to go find out what they're thinking over there uh, behind enemy lines, as we like to say, for the TCU Horned Frogs. Like I said, kickoff Saturday night, 8 o'clock on ESPN2. Um, tomorrow, tomorrow we will dive into tomorrow we will dive into keys to victory and preview these uh how how we beat these TCU Horn Frogs and get to four and one in league play. Good luck, everyone, and have a good night. And let's go Mountaineers.